1: And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International.
0: Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Marriage Covenant Agreement and Lawsuit. This is part two of the series. Those then that after accepting him as their savior, trusting in Yeshua and his shed blood for your salvation, you receive everlasting high and you get to spend forever with him in heaven. But you have to be faithful once you've made and exchanged the marriage covenant vows with Yeshua. You got to love him and keep his commandments, which the general category of what that looks like is you'll love your neighbor as as yourself, And by submitting your life and yielding your life to the God of Israel, to Yeshua and to his ways, you submit yourself to his Holy Spirit. And there is evidence that you submit yourself to his Holy Spirit. You will have what is mentioned in Galatians in chapter five by Paul as the fruit of the Spirit. And so the fruit of the Spirit is the manifestation of the character of Messiah. You see, we can't Express the character of the God of Israel, the character of Messiah without his spirit. We can't do it in our own flesh and in our own ability. So if we yield ourselves to the following of his spirit and we do this by crucifying our flesh, then we get the reward of being able to dwell with him to complete the second stage of the marriage. And that has a twofold application, dwelling with Yeshua during the thousand year Messianic era when he rules and reigns on the earth and then ultimately the the ultimate fulfillment is being his bride that he lives and dwells with forever in the new jerusalem so failure after you accept yeshua as the messiah to submit yourself to his holy spirit and failure to manifest the fruit of the spirit in your life in other words you're a believer in yeshua but you've remained a baby in messiah you're a believer in yeshua but you are still influenced in dominated by the flesh, it will cause you to lose out of reward. In other words, you'll still be in heaven because you've accepted Yeshua as the Messiah, and thus you've attained eternal life by believing in him, but you missed out on the inheritance aspect of eternal life, which is dwelling with him in the new Jerusalem forever. And so, this is explained and outlined by Paul in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 1, where he says, My brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Messiah. So a babe in Messiah here is defined as someone that's carnal. And a babe in Messiah has this characteristic. I fed you with milk and not with meat for you will not able to bear it, neither are you now, for you are yet carnal. He's writing to believers who are carnal. And this is the characteristic of a carnal believer. There is among you envy and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? And then he goes on to say that make sure on how you build your foundation, how you live your life, that your foundation is based upon Messiah and the example and the life that he lived to follow after his foundation, his example, because he's, says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid which is Messiah Yeshua. He is our example of how we're to live our life in expressing our faith in Yeshua and in the Heavenly Father. And then it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it will be revealed by fire and fire shall try every man's work. And so after you accept Yeshua as the Messiah and in doing so the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. So in Ephesians in chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9 it says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. So we're saved by grace through faith and it's not of our own works verse 9 lest any man should boast. So once we establish that that we're saved by grace through faith and not of our own merit not of our own works paul then asks the question in Romans in chapter 3 in verse 31 do we make void the Torah through faith do we do away with following the torah because we're saved by grace through faith he answers the question god forbid we establish the Torah so what do we do if we establish the Torah if we establish the Torah what does that look like it means ultimately that we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves we are going to treat one another properly and we're going to stand for righteousness and truth righteousness and justice and we're going to seek to relieve the oppressed and we're going to stand for and stand with the underprivileged and those that need our help and those that need to be shown the love of Messiah so then after it says in Ephesians in chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9 that we're saved by grace through faith and not of works then then it says in verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Messiah Yeshua under good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. After we're saved by grace through faith, meaning we're going to go to heaven, we have eternal life in Messiah, then how do we live this life in him? Well, we are his workmanship. We are his creation. We're created in Messiah Yeshua under good work that God has ordained that we should walk in them We should walk in good works. So what are the good works that we are to walk in? We are to live our lives following Messiah's example. We ought to walk as he walked, First John chapter 2, verse 6. And so that means we're to serve others, give to others, love others, lay down our life for others. And so then there's a judgment of our works in and following, believing Yeshua as our Messiah and receiving his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins and making him our savior. And so then we're judged according According to how we live our lives. And so that's what is being explained by Paul in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 13. Every man's work shall be manifest for the day shall declare it because it will be revealed by fire, our work. And the fire shall try every man's work. And if any man's work abide, which he has built, he will receive a reward, a reward, an inheritance for the work that he does as an expression of his faith in Yeshua as Messiah. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, you don't have work, you're a carnal believer. He will suffer loss loss of what loss of reward loss of inheritance yet he himself will be saved because he accepted Yeshua as the Messiah and repented of his sins and put his faith trust and confidence in Yeshua as a savior he will be saved but he loses reward of work and so living and ruling and reigning with Messiah in his thousand year kingdom is a reward and being able to dwell forever with him as his bride meaning you've now have entered into the second stage of the marriage, you're dwelling with him in the new Jerusalem, is a reward. And so in describing eternity in Revelation in chapter 21 and verse 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And then we do not get a detailed description of the new heaven and new earth, but we are told that it's likened to a tabernacle. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3 and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying the tabernacle of God is with men he will dwell with them they will be his people God himself shall be with them and be their God so the new heaven and new earth is described as that tabernacle and then we're told in Hebrews in chapter 8 and verse 5 which serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle see says he that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you in the mount. That the tabernacle that was built in the wilderness was a blueprint or pattern after the one in heaven. And so the earthly tabernacle had component to it. There was the outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. So the, the new heaven, new earth described as being a tabernacle, it has an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. So what is the name of the holy of holies part of the heavenly tabernacle? It's called the new Jerusalem. And the the holy of holies is the place where Messiah's bride dwells with him in other words the people that have not only been betrothed to him accepted him as their savior but then they lived a life following after Messiah's example and so he entered into the second stage of marriage with them to dwell with them in the place of the dwelling is the new Jerusalem and so the new Jerusalem is a reward for accepting Yeshua as the Messiah. So those who haven't lived a life that has shown forth the character of Messiah and evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, but instead has been more of a life that represents a carnal believer, they will be in the new heavens and the new earth, but they will be living in the outer court or the inner court of the tabernacle of the new heavens and the new earth. They will Not be living in the Holy of Holies or the New Jerusalem. And so uh, finally, then, in order to communicate this concept, is that Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that not everyone who receives a resurrected body, in this case, we are sharing with you those who believe in Yeshua as the Messiah who will ultimately receive an eternal resurrected body, that not all have equal status when they receive their resurrected body. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 35, it says some men will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? And it says then verse 39 all flesh is not the same flesh There is one kind of flesh of men another flesh of beasts another of fishes another of birds there are celestial bodies there are bodies terrestrial but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another there is one glory of the sun another glory of the moon another glory of the stars for one star differs from another star in glory and then it says in verse 42 so is the resurrection of the dead. One star differs from another star in glory, so is the resurrection of the dead. So, what is one glory? If you accept Yeshua as the Messiah, repent of your sins, and ask him to be your savior, then you are going to receive a glory in making that decision. But if you then accept Yeshua as Messiah, you make him Lord, you seek to do the will of God in your life, you love your neighbor as yourself, you you give the other, you serve la- others, you lay down your life for others, you manifest the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you're going to receive a higher glory than someone who only accepted Yeshua as their Messiah and made Him Savior of your life. So this then is a summary of what this teaching is going to show you as we go over what happened at Mount Sinai, that there was a marriage covenant made there between Yeshua, the bridegroom who also gave the Torah at Mount Sinai and his people that he entered into covenant relationship with. And then ultimately how he brought a lawsuit against them through the prophets for breaking the covenant, but through him dying on the tree and shedding his blood, he made provisions to be forgiven for breaking the covenant at Mount Sinai and made it possible that by receiving Yeshua and then by receiving and yielding to his Holy Spirit we can then be a people that is well-pleasing in His sight. And our reward for doing that is to rule and reign with Messiah, first in His thousand-year Messianic kingdom, and then ultimately forever in the New Jerusalem. So because this is going to be a relatively long teaching, I wanted to first give you, before I started, the big picture, the summary of what we are going to be covering. So as we go over the details and its response. Respective sections or units, you can follow the details of the big picture of what we're trying to share with you through this study. So that being the case, let's begin to look at the details regarding the marriage covenant agreement that was made at Mount Sinai and the lawsuit that was brought against the people by the prophets from violating the terms of the covenant. We need to realize that at Mount Sinai that there was a wedding. That took place. And it was between Yeshua, the bridegroom, who's also the lawgiver, and his people that he brought out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, as we're told in Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. So then in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your espousal, when you went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. So the word espousal means betrothal. It's the first of two stages of a biblical marriage. And the Hebrew word betrothal or espousal is kalula. And within the word kalula is the Hebrew word kala. And this is the Hebrew word for a bride. A bride in Hebrew is called a kala. And so a bride that's betrothed is a kalula. And so at Mount Sinai, there was a wedding that took place between Yeshua, the bridegroom, and his people he brought out of Egypt. And that is the house of Jacob. So there's two major stages to a Biblical marriage, the first betrothal, and when you're betrothed, you're legally married to, but you do not physically dwell with. So Mount Sinai was a betrothal. Then the second stage of the marriage is called Nesuan, and this is where you physically dwell with your spouse. And so as it relates to physically dwelling with Messiah, the application of when we're going to walk in the second stage of the biblical marriage to him is first in the thousand year messianic kingdom and then ultimately in the new heavens and the new earth and specifically for the bride of Messiah that he's going to dwell with in the second stage of the marriage in the new Jerusalem and so the second stage of the marriage is associated with Mount Zion. Betrothal is Mount Sinai and walking in the second stage of the marriage is Mount Zion. Now if a wedding took place at Mount Sinai there needed to be a wedding proposal, a wedding offer and in Exodus chapter 19 Verse 3, we see that the people who Yeshua is entering into marriage with at Mount Sinai is the house of Jacob, as it says, Thus she shall say to the house of Jacob. So then in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, we see the marriage offer. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, that is the terms of the marriage that is going to be given at Mount Sinai, your reward is you will become a kingdom of priests. So this offer was accepted accepted as we can see in Exodus chapter 19 verse 8 when all the people answered together and said all that the Lord has spoken we will do. So then in a biblical marriage you're going to have an agreement that is made and the agreement that is made it's done through what is called a ketubah. So a ketubah is a marriage contract. It states the terms and the conditions of the marriage. Now Moses is seen as as one of the witnesses to this marriage. Every biblical marriage will have two witnesses. And so Moses then is going to serve the role of escorting the bride, the house of Jacob, to meet their bridegroom, that is Yeshua, the Messiah, where there's going to be an exchange of vows. This will take place at Mount Sinai. And so in Exodus 19, verse 17, it is written, And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. If we look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 17, where it says, and they stood at the nether part of the mount, the word nether is the Hebrew word taqi, and it means at the lower part or at the base of. And so the imagery that we have here is that the people have come to Mount Sinai, the lower part or the base of the mountain, and Mount Sinai is likened unto a hoopah or a wedding canopy. And so the people are standing underneath the hoopah, the wedding canopy, and there there is is an exchange of wedding vows. Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. So before the God of Israel is going to marry his people, he desires for his bride to be sanctified and she's to wash her clothes. The spiritual meaning of washing the clothes is how we live our lives. And so our garment that we have is how we live our lives to the God of Israel. And we are to live a life that is holy and sanctified before him. Now the only way that we can really do that is through the help and the inspiration of his Holy Spirit. In John chapter 17 verse 17, Yeshua prayed, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So sanctification comes from obeying God. And it says in Psalm 119 verse 142, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your Torah is the truth. So being obedient to God in his written word and his instruction to us, it brings about a holiness in our lives because 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 we're told that sin is transgressing the Torah and so sin is associated with dirt and, and with filth and with having unclean clothes. And So the opposite of sin is holiness and by living a holy life, by following his instructions, his Torah, his commandment then we have clean clothes Clothes. Malachi chapter 2 verse 1. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. Malachi two six. The Torah of truth was in his mouth. Then an application of what it means to wash your clothes is found in Revelation chapter 19 verses 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the right righteousness of saints. And so what we're going to be doing through this teaching is we're going to give you enough information to understand what the Greek is saying there when it refers to the righteousness of saints. It's referring to the righteous act of the saints. In other words, it's the way in which we live our lives after we have accepted Yeshua as the Messiah and we're saved by grace through faith. That if we live a life that submitted to his word, we seek to obey his word, seek to do his will, that we crucify the flesh and we are allowing his spirit to live in us and through us we have the fruit of the spirit. We will exemplify in our life and we will be showing forth the character of Messiah in our our life and we will express that character and that behavior to others and that becomes the righteous acts of the saints. and that's the wedding dress of the Messiah of Israel and that dress then would be clean and white. It is whole and it obeying his commandments and his instructions by his spirit. That is the meaning of the instruction that was given at Mount Sinai that before you come to the mountain, be sanctified and have the people wash their clothes. Now, in looking at an outline of the details of the marriage agreement at Mount Sinai, first, we're given the big picture, the 10 commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse one, God spake all these words saying in Exodus chapter 20, verse six, I show mercy thousands undefe- thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And so we are commanded to keep his basic instructions, the Ten Commandments. And if we do, he's promised to show us mercy because we fail sometimes. So we need his mercy when we fail so we can get up and we can continue to move forward and follow his instructions. So the Ten Commandments is the, the big picture, the big category of what he requires of us. But then that's broken down into detail. How do we live out the Ten Commandments? And the details of how we do that is called his judgment or his Mishpatim. Exodus chapter 21 verse 1 says, now these are the judgment or the Mishpat or plural is Mishpatim, which you shall set before them. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 13, we can see how the nation of Israel was given Mishpatim at Mount Sinai. You came down also upon Mount Sinai and you spake with them from heaven and you gave them right mishpatim and true laws good statute and commandment now what we're going to do is we're going to look at the details of how we keep the ten commandments and we're going to make a list of the details now this list is going to be significant and important well that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject the marriage covenant agreement and lawsuit Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.